0: we we'll To the four pod men, once again, with me, Ian the Dynamo Kelly, joined as always by D J. Kennedy, the shopkeeper Noel Hogan, and the mighty Carl King. Woe as you are joined for part three of the uh, the Vince McMahon story, we will call it the continuation of the Vince McMahon story because I mean as, as, as Mr. Kennedy said to me just before we went on air we can 't put a nail in this story. this story is not finished yet. And um, so we do, we continue on as we jump out of uh, WrestleMania one and two. And I know it's quite a big jump here, but the natural kind of a uh, natural direction of this story was to get into the attitude era, leading us into the rootless aggression era, obviously. And um, I think one of the great parts of this story is that, that the attitude era, we're not going to concentrate too much on the Monday Night Wars or anything like that, because we've obviously covered that in a podcast previously, but we will touch over it. And it all stems, obviously, from a previous episode that we did do, which, of course, was the Montreal Screwjob, Jay's debut show, which was kind of almost, in a lot of ways, the birth of the Mr. McMahon character, having done something in real life for business, turned it into a uh, into a real-life character and uh, became, of course, Mr. McMahon and became the arch-nemesis of the one and only Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, Noel... Um, well, first of all, lads, how are you all? Yeah, all good. Yeah, oh, good, all man. good,
1: man. Yeah, yeah. Excellent.
0: All Rona-free, yeah, like myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For now. <laughs> I got a few texts after the last show To were like, did you really have, like, coronavirus? Or were you just saying that for the show? I was like, oh, no, I really did. We're like, rona and doesn't. And, and the, 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 I was like, no, no, I, I legitimately did. So, yeah. No, I'm oh, all Hell good. of
1: a thing to fake.
0: Oh yeah, hey, how do you think that
1: shit, man? We should have we should have pushed the button on that GoFundMe me. I told you, no, it would have been actually. Yeah. It
0: made sense. I know <laughs> we should have actually done that. Damn it! Um, but yeah, next time, kids. <laughs> and oh, it, there's
2: no. I'd, I'd say one of us will get it again at some point. So you know, the GoFundMe can still go. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: true. That's true. Um, or you know, just find some sort of amputee and just get a GoFundMe me for them. Pretend it's one of us. It's all good. <laughs> it's, it's you know, all, all above board. It's grand. Yeah. <laughs> loads of Carl kings out there absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah lads obviously uh, you know this is the third episode i suppose that we've done in the in the vince mcmahon um story and jay obviously you did say before we went on air because it was actually a good point i kind of had the narrative of, of like we're putting a close to this kind of vince mcmahon episodic story that we've been telling here but there's no real final chapter in that, so I think you're right. I think the continuation of the McMahon story is probably the best way to put it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously, one of the um, one of the you know one of the biggest kind of um, I suppose requested episodes that we've gotten for the four pod men since they won was the attitude era so I do I did just want to point this out it's not an attitude era podcast as such that will come at a later time where we look at it in depth however the, the beginning of the attitude era is kind of 1997 let's be fair that's where we see dx come out with obviously with um, you know battling the heart foundation and whatnot we had the nation uh, domination and... Um, Lots of lots of kind of great great television back then in 1997. Some of the most some of the most entertaining television, to be fair, in wrestling mm. history was in 1997. But yeah. they had the matches to go with it too. Um, but I think after the, the Montreal screw job, which we did cover, we we kind of we see a different side of Vince, and he embraces the the, the backlash that he's he's gotten. Because let's be fair, what did everybody say? Vince did not expect to come out of this as a heel. He thought he was going to come out of it as a baby face. <laughs> Jesus. Loves himself. The world. This is the ego we're dealing with. So, why don't we talk on that, actually, just for a minute there, lads? Yeah, because it's a good way. Because this is, as I say, it's a continuation, I suppose, from the screw job into the attitude era. Um, Jay, why don't you take this one here? I mean, Vince looking at this as a, um, you know, coming out and saying, Brett, screwed Brett. And I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one of the most infamous lines now. But genuinely thinking that when he'd done that interview, he was going to come out as a, as a baby face. And then, of course, it's the birth of Mr. McMahon a couple of weeks later.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's like you said, it's, it's people try to nail down the, the, the rebirth of, of, of essentially the product. And, and and we always try to classify and define errors by segmentation. But the truth is, the company was quite lost for a few years between the, the classic golden era, I suppose, and what we now consider a, the the Attitude Era, which was definitely a stronger product rebirth. I mean, there was a, a few years with crazy gimmicks for a while in a company that really didn't have any direction. They just knew they had to continue to make product, but had nothing to make product with. They weren't there wasn't really such an emphasis and focus on character development and but
0: Man Mountain bringing... Rock was a hell of a character, I'm just saying.
3: That. <laughs> <laughs> and that Minotaur guy, yeah. And the, the, the,
0: Mantar. Yeah,
3: Mantor and the goon. Yeah, then the, the, I'm sure there the, the was there was the repo man, he was floating around somewhere, Even, and then there was a bin man the, and yeah, the, the plumbers.
0: The <laughs> A repo man was Aaron Anderson compared to Man <laughs> Mountain Rock and all these guys to be fair. <laughs>
3: but it's again it was again it is, we, it, we talk about the man and his vision and sometimes he loses the vision in the sense that he really doesn't have any direction and there's no catalyst for him to create quality programming and the screw job really lit a fire under him and he was almost it was almost a rebirth of him, you know, and again he's what can you do with the man? He's just struck by a vision and he runs with the ball. And and the audacity of him to think, after his Brett Screw Brett interview, that he was going to come out the good guy after the steroid scandal and everything that had gone past, maybe four or five years ago, it was like, who do you think you are? What bubble do you live in?
2: What- you know, something, lads. He he actually just dis- he displays classic psycho psychopathic fucking t- tendencies. You know, like he yeah. he knew he was wrong. He still wanted to go on. He had an idea he was gonna run with it anyway, you know. Yeah. As you said, all these controversies before and he still thought he was gonna come out the good guy. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? I, what
1: do you I mean, screw us? Well you gotta you gotta think as well, the reason he thought he was coming out as the good guy was like he probably thought the hate would have been poured on Brett buggering and off the WCW at the yeah. time and stuff like that. So you know what I mean. So he was probably banking on a wave of hate towards that, and he would have been seen as the good guy who protected WWF and you know protected the title and all that. And he tried to push hard that Brett was the bad guy and all that kind of stuff. And then it just backfired, you know. I heard yeah. a
0: really good. Um, I heard a really good one from uh, from Animal actually talking. Um, rest in peace, by the way, before he died. It was a really good. Uh, it was in a shoot interview years back, and he said. So Vince done everything he could to destroy kayfabe because of pretty boy Sean and his boys, he didn't want them getting a getting a bad rap. But then expected K to work for him when Brett went to WCW and hoped that people just thought that Brett actually <laughs> defected. <laughs> it was like, What do you what do you want here? Like you know what I mean? <laughs> Vince wanted it all. He wanted That's, it all. And, and, but well, suppose, he, but, yeah, but I he suppose got it all. Yeah. He got it all in the end and now he has it all. So obviously that, that leads us into the yeah. next part, which um Obviously, we kind of fast track to WrestleMania of, um, you know, of the next year. It's WrestleMania 14. And they bring Mike Tyson in, obviously, which really brings the company back, you know, to a stature. I remember Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people give me abuse over this. Breck you know, giving out about his 20-year deal, a million a year, 20 million over 20 years. But yet they give 20 million to Mike Tyson in one night (laughs) when Mm -hmm. he supposedly broke. But um, yeah, Mike Tyson brings a lot of oils to this To this, uh, I mean, they're, they're, you know, the whole of Manhattan is shut down just for the press conference It's absolutely huge Sean is obviously peeled out of his head uh, Vince knows that he's going to pass the torch over to, uh, to Vince McMahon, or sorry, to, to Stonecoast Steve Austin, should I say And um, it's obviously going to be the next And that leads us into the attitude area, I mean, in full effect as people know it mm. Um. Stone Cold lads, like, I mean, that's that's we're talking about for a couple of minutes, right, now,
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, in terms of like, I mean, you know, when you got that whole spawn and the Austin Three Sixteen, and you know, everything just took off. And when you think of the attitude there, you think of like everyone's kind of looks at it and reveres on it and think of it as being money, 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 money. But like th- you were thinking at a time where WCW was on a hell of a rise and stuff like that, and it was you. The first time Vince in this kind of history, apart from the territories, had a real competitor on his hands with real finance, which was obviously very concerning.
0: So, so Noel's uh internet is this going, was it? all
1: this reactory to that type of stuff, you know, and awesome was that one, you know. I'm all good Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. No, no, your internet went, it's okay, we have you back, yeah, we we've got all that, yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. Um, I mean. Carol, you're you're a big, big Stone Cold uh, fan. Um, yeah, absolutely, as are we all. To be fair, who <clears throat> isn't? Four of us here are mm. big Stone Cold fans. I think oh, I, it's,
2: oh, uh, I would I would say sorry, Ian, I was just no, going to no, say no, I would yeah. say I'd say McMahon saw the reaction from that three sixteen promo and said, "Here we can run with something here." I, I I'd assume that's what you know. Uh, obviously, people are looking for an edgeier product now. And then he, I, cars, I think there was a bit of desperation as well because they, at that where they losing the war at that time. The one that they had even started at that stage,
0: they were, they were, they were kind of uh, at that time in '97. They were mm. no, they were. That was part of the 83 weeks. Yeah. Um, so I was, think, I think, yeah, it,
2: so. I think they were. You know, it was like a last throw of the dice to try and find. And I, you know, I think yeah, Stone Cold was the perfect man to lead. You know. Mm.
0: Well, I think so, because Vince, Vince played it perfectly, because as I said, I want to call this on Vince, because if you think about what Vince done with, with Austin, um, mm. you know, uh, Mr. McFreeze and all these names that they were coming up to try and get away from, you know, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the, uh, the, the, the gimmicks that they were trying to put him with was absolutely hilarious, and then obviously he gets the Stone Cold Steve Austin moniker, they put him in with um, they put him in with Brett then. Obviously, you see them putting him in with the top guys. Mm. And at the time, you know, I remember the, the fatal four way it was uh Austin Brett Vader and Undertaker. Yeah. And you could see that he was able to hang with these guys. Um, I think the Brett stuff really got Austin over because you saw that's when Brett turned heel in, and Austin's pops back then were absolutely insane especially after Mania 13, and you could see Austin was just literally, yeah. he was the guy that they were going to throw and put the rocket on. And, I mean, the thing is, Austin <laughs> took that ball, and, I mean, he ran with it. As far as I know, and yeah. I'm not sure I'm open to correction here, um, I'm sure Dave, tongue up Kenny, Mel- Kenny Omega's arsehole Meltzer, will, t- will, will, will tell us something about this. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that 1998 is the record-breaking amount of money that anyone's made. On a personal level in the business, it was something like six to eight million for Austin. Nine million, actually, I think it was.
2: I'd well believe that. Yeah. In 1998. Yeah I, well yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I
0: don't think that's ever been um, yeah. I don't think that's ever been, uh, been broken. And, uh, and by the way, uh, again, I like throwing these Dave Meltzer jibes out. You know, it's all about that. You know, I mean, AEW is now WCW, so we, we can always have a little fun with that. I can't believe my eyes, Gorilla Uh,
1: but you also also have to remember on the timing there if you go back and think about the states at that time it was going through a big unionization push so there was like a lot of hate out there at the moment in terms of like employee towards bosses and stuff like that and you always you always hear from Vince Russo at the time as well where he's talked about how you always have to try and make wrestling mimic reality that's out there in the public at the moment stuff like that Mm. so like it was a perfect time just to introduce as well you know that the employee versus Blue-collar beer drinker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, you know, so, like, it just hit that wave and just took off, and it definitely, if you look at a lot of those episodes back then and a lot of the way in which they booked it, like, when they first booked the Austin 316, they were always using little tweaks in there to garner a little bit of hate and stuff like that, like the religion, the the Austin 316, the John three sixteen, and all that kind of stuff and then it moved on when they were going against vince and stuff like that it was always like the victim versus the boss and he's always being screwed over and stuff like that and then you get that win back so the booking on it was perfect you know and, and the timing in terms of reality and how it how it got over against the public because at the time there was like when you think back to the attitude there there was people tuning into wrestling that were probably never wrestling fans
2: yeah Absolutely, and,
1: and and probably now are not wrestling fans except for that era. I mean, how many times do we hear people who talk about the product now, and even going back through the, the um the ruthless aggression era and all going Actually, it's not like the attitude era. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. There not... was <laughs> to be
0: fair. I think Vince you know? Russo. I know you you said that. Shout out to my boy Vince Russo, by the way. Um, he like, I mean, he obviously did. He gets a lot of hate now, but Vince Russo brought something to Vince that. He wasn't getting before, and I'm sure we'd all agree with this. Um, he wasn't getting the typical yes man or anything like that, you know, not mentioning names or whatever. But he wasn't getting like the typical yes man syndrome. This was still at a time where, you know, all stories were written around the pool, you know, and uh, yeah. it was Patterson, it was Russo, you know, and uh, uh, Pritchard, I suppose, um, and Vince Russo brought, I suppose, some of that Jerry Springer car crash TV which was as Noel kind of was saying there about America was changing was insanely popular, right Jay? At that time. Like it was you know, so I think Vince did see that and I think the Vince and Vince connection kind of really did change the game and really put WCW they were like, all right, WCW, we see your NWO attitude angle and we raise you. You know? Um Didn't we have, like, Shawn Michaels and and, and and Triple H coming out and doing a press conference for, like, uh, for USA Network at the time and they, like, told them to suck it or something? Yeah. Like that. And they were like, yeah. the, you know. But, can
1: you, can, you, but can, you, can you imagine being around that creative pill and you're trying to convince Pat Patterson that we're going to put DX in, like, He didn't need, need to be convinced G- to
0: suck it. Don't worry, <laughs> No, but you
1: know what I mean? But, but in terms of being convinced to do this out-of-the-box stuff, and a guy like Pat Patterson, you know what I mean? Saying, "Listen, we're gonna head down to WCW and, like, you know, in an army jeep at DX, and we're gonna like try and infiltrate their shows." Up. Can you yeah. imagine trying to sell yeah. that to someone like Pat Patterson? When did they wrestle? all the creative team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I you, yeah at at what Europe stage do before? they lock up? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. oh, and at God, what point do they you. lock
1: oh, up? No. <laughs>
2: It's against
1: the business. That one, <laughs> so you that can one imagine hole you can, in
2: this whole so segment. So imagine
1: <laughs> just think of the walls that Vince Russo was breaking down at the time. And, and and like if you think about it and you listen to some of Vince Russo's interviews, some of the crazy stuff he came up with, even Vince shot it down. He was going even a thousand percent more than what oh, we actually ended up with. Russo reality.
0: was like going was, Russo was going for the jugular yeah. He was just short of
1: having cage matches on the moon, you know what oh, I mean? Like Yeah you, you hear the story, you hear the story that he tells about going in and asking Vince about like, you know, he wanted to buy a tank. <laughs> yeah. And he expected, yeah. you know, he expected Vince to tell him no. <laughs> Vince said, Who's Yeah, this? go ahead. <laughs> he didn't expect he didn't expect Vince to say yeah on that DX stuff, you know what I mean? Because it was so outlandish with him and your man Ed Ferrara, it was crazy. You know? But I mean,
0: uh, but I mean, like we do look at that, and as I said, we don't want to delve into too much of what the specifics of the television was. We will obviously get into the Attitude Era, I'm sure, probably pretty soon, and do do a show on it. <laughs> um, but it, it it is like it's it's basically, you know, the narrative is, and Noel, I know you've done a, a lot of research on it this week, so kind of hand the reins over to you in a minute. But I know for a fact that um, when it comes to um, you know, that attitude era, and even even Vince, you know, bringing in Mike Tyson, again, that was another Wrestlemania one and two situation where he needed something. The, the backs were against the wall. They really genuinely yeah. were yeah. losing money. Yeah. They were fucking, you know, the Bret thing wasn't, you know, a fake thing. It was, they were losing money, and they were trying to cut corners in every single way, shape, or form that they could, and um but you know, this is when you get. This is what happened. This is this is how Vince Russo gets gets to be the right hand man in the Attitude Era because they're saying, right, well, look, we're failing anyway, so let's try something different. And they, yeah, they go balls out. So I, think, I have to, I have to say, uh, yeah. I
2: mean, if ever there was a man who was able to deal with, with pressure, it's Vince McMahon. You know, I mean, he, you know, you you put him, you put it back against the wall, and he'll come back fighting ten times. Is worse than, than you expected. You know? And he loves it.
3: Yeah, he thrives he he on it. Thrives yeah. on it. Well, yeah. I think
2: I think you have
1: to look at it as well. When you look at the attitude there, like from a fan base point of view, it was fantastic ah,
0: stuff like
1: that. Brilliant. But financially, financially, once again, it was the spin of a roulette wheel, just like in the previous episodes when we spoke about mania. Because like, like, you know... Rock and wrestling. If, yeah. If, yeah, I mean, if you think and you go back and look at it, I mean, like... It, you know, if Awesome 316 hadn't have took off, you know, if, you know, if The Rock hadn't started talking about himself in the third person, if all these DX and all these <laughs> different kind of things, you know, if they hadn't a taken off, you know what I mean? That wheel would be still spinning today. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just... And, and, and that's the risk. A lot of people, when you hear about wrestling fans, like obviously we're talking about Vince McMahon here, but when you hear wrestling fans, they revere about the attitude there. And that's not to say as well. Remembering the attitude area as well, there was a lot of rubbish in it as well. Yeah. Which we you will know? get into. It. It, well, it was, yeah.
0: about, it was about 80% rubbish, to be fair, on yeah. a Monday night. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Like every, everyone everyone remembers the seven or eight things that were brilliant. Exactly. In it. But if you, think, exactly. if you think over the course of an era, you know what I mean? What about the other fifty or a hundred
3: things that just were Yeah it's it's it says a lot when you can fit, you know, seven years of primetime syndicated global wrestling show into three DVDs like there's an awful lot of fat to cut off when you, you process what we watched. Yeah. But there was yeah. nothing else like it on the box at the time. It no, was it it was, no, a, it was no. a perfect storm of, of a few situations. Yeah. You had one, yeah. you had Vince knew he was L of ideas and the money was on the drip. You had two and yeah. Malok walks into his office And coincidentally enough, shares the exact same ludicrous sense of fucking humor that he does, which Mm -hmm. is a one in a million shot because Vince doesn't have a standard sense of humor to begin with. Three, you've got his back up against the wall with another company. And you know, four with the birth of kind of more global communication. Again, this is almost like a relapse of the, of the original throne of the dice, except for now he's betting the company's money instead of his own pocket. And the results are the same company falls. So it's, it's almost like a rebirth and, the Attitude Era, it somewhat kills the original PG Era. Like I said, there was that little wasteland of three years where they didn't know what the fuck was yeah. happening. But the Attitude Era, we've we've been here before. It was it was the rebirth of an an adult based yeah. product. He realised the kids buying the toys weren't waiting for Hulkamania to break the curtains anymore. They were they had grown up. They were 17, and seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen, and drinking beer, smoking yeah. weed, and chasing women. Yeah. So it was time to change the meal to to accommodate the palate.
1: You'd, it was a perfect storm. Yeah, you'd also revert it back as well to sort of roster power as well when you think about it, because it was the first time in a long time where talent actually had a real option and could play that WCW card and stuff like that. So contracts yeah. were, were really crazy yeah. and stuff like that. So like he, he was unsure. He, like, like everyone knows the whole story about Warrior holding him up and stuff like that. But can you imagine the amount of talent that held him up during the Attitude Era and stuff like that for money? You know what I mean? I'm sure sure lots of lads, like you you hear people turn around going, like, you know, I mean, we know it's Undertaker week this week and all and stuff like that. And he always said, well, you know, I never would have left. And, you know, I was loyal to Vince and that's the way it is. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, there was a lot of people loyal to Vince that ended up on Nitro.
3: (laughs) You (laughs) know, you have to raise an issue that I didn't realize either. You know, in a sense, we've always seen the migration of the classic gold there, uh, Golden Age big guys, the Hogan's, the Macho Man's defecting over there. Really, realistically, what that did as well is to take a top-end slice of the wage structure, removed it, and allowed who used to be lower tier and mid-tier to essentially move up at a cheaper top rate, if you know what I mean. He had this surge. There's so much room now on his TV show because all of these old guys who used to take up half the fucking show are off over there earning three times as much money. So you're saving penny. As a businessman, he's saving penny, and he's also looking around his roster. I never realized, I never noticed before as well, but when you mentioned that there, there was a surge of strong, prominent talent all at the same time. It was almost like a natural, organic growth of next wave. Well, think about it this way, Jay. Based on your point
0: there, Jay, that's actually a really, really good point because um, if you look at, like, as I say, the the uh, you know the, a lot of people think the attitude era started in ninety eight when Austin won the belt it didn't it started like with the whole no. DX Heart Foundation thing to start off with yeah. and then it really kind of kicked yeah. off the birth of Austin when he was you know WrestleMania thirteen with Ken Shamrock and Bret that match yeah. I think really you know it it certainly made Stone Cold Steve Austin in, in 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 every way shape or form but it showed the crowd were into the that bad guy as Noyle said at the very start which I couldn't agree with anymore is the whole revolt from the fans you know you've been telling us that we're supposed to cheer this guy in black and pink all yeah. these years and be wholesome and you know before him you get me red and yellow Hulk Hogan look at Hulk Hogan now he's over in black and white and he's revolting he's a prick he's yeah. a piece of shit uh-huh. and uh, everybody's shit everybody's <laughs> shit so do you know what we're gonna go for the shit and this baldy yeah. guy drinking beer and just being a a basic bitch ass, like, you know, taking cor- cutting corners every way they can. That's what we're going to do. America, I love you all. You're all my listeners, but you were showing your true colors at that time. Let's be fair. That's what was happening. <laughs> you also, also got to remember financially as well. This was
1: kind of the birth of, you know, the whole McMahon family coming to the screen as well you know what i mean so you got to remember that as well you had you had linda coming on there and stephanie starting to spawn out there and shano and everything and all you know what i mean so there was you know there was a lot of that going on as well it was also
0: also case in point that vince doesn't like guaranteed contracts you know 20 million over the course of 20 years the breath sounds too much for him because he's just seeing 20 million right No, get rid of that. I'm going to get rid of one of my top three assets. Let him go to WCW. It's going to pain me, but we need to cut costs. Then Austin comes in, blows the place up, and yet there's still no guaranteed contracts while they're still doing it over in WCW. Six is earning the guaranteed contracts in the form of, well, X-Pac in the form of Six, Okay. He comes back home to WWE in 1998 as X Pac, not on a guaranteed guaranteed contract. So Vince is still going by the same uh, playbook that he did when he started the business. I'm not guaranteeing you anything but opportunity. And
1: but I think I think it was also yeah I think it was also financially at the time as well though. I don't think the company was in a financial position to be. I don't think it was... Well, in 98, was, they, they were. They gave handed them Tyson
0: 15 million. It. Of course they were. Yeah but, no,
1: yeah, but if you think about it, you're only a little time on there from when they couldn't hold Brett.
0: Oh, no, but so that's what I'm saying. No, well. I'm saying when they're moving is, on. No, no, we're, yeah. we're actually in agreement there, Noel. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Even shortly after they move on from yeah. a, the whole Brett yeah. situation, they, yeah. they, they still don't have yeah. guaranteed contracts with their yeah. top talent even. Like Austin said, yeah. you know, I didn't get a five-year deal on like two million a year. Yeah. It was basically what you, your merch is your baby. Do you know what I mean? It was commission. It was yeah. commission wrestling. That's basically yeah. the way it was. Whereas over in WCW, you know, guys like Jericho, I believe Jericho even said, you know, <laughs> Vince, Eric Bishop brought him in and, you know, for a pay rise interview. And he said, uh, he was on 300 grand a year, which at the time, I mean, to any form would have been huge. That's, that's great money. But I mean, for those guys, it wasn't great money because of the travel and they had to pay their own taxes and he goes, oh, well, give me a figure. And he was like, 600? And he goes, sure. There you go. <laughs> Jericho was like, shit, I should have said a million. It was just that easy. So yeah. these guys like Jericho and all, Now, luckily, and I, I think we're all going to be in agreement here. Vince, just like he always did, was looking at that talent pool across, well, down south. And saw the likes of the Walls and the Jerichos. They were on good money. They were making good money. But... Opportunity was impossible. Toxic work
1: environment.
0: Exactly. But and
1: you also you also have to remember as well. It's very easy to spend someone else's money.
0: Hell yeah, hell yeah. It's billionaire Ted. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Eric. Did I mean, that was
1: that shipped. was the, No, yeah. he wasn't. He it wasn't checks coming out of his bank account. You know what I mean. Whereas if you look at Vince. I'm sure Vince was looking at every dollar in that bank
2: account in yeah, WWE yeah. at
0: the time. Exactly. Yeah. And if you look at and this is kind of what leads us on because Jericho is the kind of first big one. So we, 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 we're going to, because it's part of the art, attitude there. Jericho was the first kind of big defector from yeah. WCW to WWE. Um, cuts that infamous promo. Um, you know, basically a 10 minute promo on The Rock and then The Rock hits back with, with his amazing rebuttal. um. But it was the first, it, well, it was the first one, and I suppose maybe you guys might disagree or, or agree, I'm not sure, but it was the first one where you saw like a talent in WCW. I know I was watching it weekly, so it, I was definitely a big Jericho, uh, Jericho-holic at the time. Mm. And I saw the potential in that kid and went, oh my God. Because I mean, I switched to WCW, obviously, when Brett went, we all know that. But what I found over in WCW was more entertaining. It was like, whoa, who was this Benoit guy? And who's you know, who's this I knew Finley obviously, but I mean who's this Booker T guy? Who's this, you know, Dallas Page guy? But Jericho was the one guy that even if he got twenty seconds of a of a promo, he he stood out. You know what I mean? Young, good looking kid, could work his ass off, gets over to WWE, gets in the attitude era for less money and a bigger risk but once again it's that Vince offers opportunity so Vince isn't just talking shit Jay what do you think about yeah. that
3: yeah, no you're, you're 100% right there's another aspect here that we're kind of, we're kind of skirting around but the, the fact of it is there was a lot of young men who wanted to wrestle for their money as opposed to a lot of old men who didn't want to wrestle for their money and if you Very can true. get a four star performer for, you know, a couple of hundred thousand Half as a money to paying yeah. Somebody with no needs for a couple of million. You've got like I mean, straight away from a from a talent perspective, you're looking at a guy who you can give twenty minutes of your TV time when you have to fill two hours a week, and he's going to work for like uh, th- 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 I was watching a shoot interview. I don't remember who somebody said. So somebody was spitballing about the Brett and Sean, and one of the reasons the company went into Sean and the ludicrous direction is because Sean. Had plateaued wage structure-wise, whereas Brett hadn't and kept on going up and up. And Sean was happy to sure. earn small money for the big spotlight, whereas Brett knew he had a financial value and it was a commodity on the market. Whereas who else in in who who would pick up Sean's CV after his behavior over the last five six years? Yes. So he had a, a a structure in place that he needed to fill below and have nobody coming in looking for. Bigger money than the champ, so he had this perfect situation where, like, I've got all this young talent, I've got men who were wasted in WCW four and five years ago who are now stepping up, angry, bitter, and ready to reach for that brass ring and still for under the millions. This is fucking perfect. Like, I mean, I've got young, he wasn't ashamed that his company was a wrestling company. He's got young men who want to wrestle for three, four hundred grand, as opposed to, like, I said, old men who don't want to wrestle for two million a spot. It's, 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 it's a shrewd businessman looking at yeah. all the factors and assets in his company in the bigger, broader structure, and he made all the right choices. Yeah. He, we might now agree yeah. with all of them as fans, yeah. but we're not the ones sitting there signing checks and looking to forward to keep our company going that hires this many people across this fucking massive global yeah. touring situation. He's looking at factors that we never see. And again, the reason yeah. he let Brett go is because he couldn't afford them, and that was only two or three years previous. Yeah. If that, yeah. you know? And even then the, the Stone Cold thing, we don't we we look at this birth of the aggression era with the birth of the Stone Cold character, that was tweaked continuously over five, six years. He, he didn't just wake up and he got there. And he got there again, progressively earning what he was worth through the course of it. You know?
0: No
2: do you think do you think um this is just a question for you all here? Do you think that he had the sports entertainment tagline in his head? Forever, or do you, like, did he always wanted to change the business? That was uh, com-
0: my y- opinion, my opinion from uh, from listening to people that were around him was that that was always his uh, yeah, his wild card, as I say, yeah. Um, it was his vision, but it was his wild card. So when that was basically sports entertainment, was when the uh. It was when the, the committees came down on him. Do you know what I mean? And tried to tax him on actual sporting events and stuff like that. So that was, that mm. was basically the sports entertainment. So he always had that up his sleeve yeah. in case they tried to do that and tax the shit out of him. Again, like Jay said, he was, he was watching the dollar.
2: I think the point I'm making is do you think he was always – do you think he moved away from the wrestling man and wanted to be just an entertainment man? Or do you think he'll always be yeah. a wrestling
3: man? I think, I think he, a heart he knows the company inherited, but he also wants to make it his, his own. And he also has this, we've seen it continuously when he, when he fired that lad from the wife the family, the, the, the family, because he couldn't do a certain accent. He has this vision of oh, wrestling yeah. as this hokey down South, you know, carny style, the way it was. And yeah. he wants to bring it to where he sees it needs to be for him to be seen as a legitimate businessman. And he's always wanted legitimacy. Hence yeah, to think, hang around um... with Trump.
0: I think, Noel, that's a good question, Carol. Based off that, and I'll ask Noel this one, um, because I I think this, Noel, but you might agree or disagree. As we know of Vince, I mean, we go back to that story back in 1982 when he saw Tiger Mask wrestle uh, you know, Dynamite Kid in Madison Square Garden and said it was the best wrestling match he's ever seen. And you've heard Linda McMahon say countless times as well, Vince loves wrestling. He loves the art of wrestling in the ring. So I don't think, I think Jay is right there. I think he's onto something. I think it's, he wants to break, I think he has a battle in his head in a lot of ways of that. You know what I mean? I think he loves a good wrestling match, mm. but at the same time, it's a very weird one that only Vince could probably answer. I think, honestly, I, I think that's a very, very fine line when it comes to the actual in-ring art of pro wrestling and Vince's vision with sports entertainment. Because if you look at the guys that he had, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, I mean, is there any better than the two of them? Not really. Um, and, and the pedestal that he put them on in ring-wise. So obviously he loved the craft. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, it's a good question. What do you think, Noel? Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think I, I think the question is really twofold, really. You're talking about a man who's trying to balance his love for a business, which he grew up with and everything else. Sure. And he's trying to balance that with actually running a business and keeping yeah. it financially sound. Um, and, and I'm sure he struggles Throughout his Not career, all, yeah. we'll notice like how how many times has he, as we say, has he spun that roulette wheel? And you know, I'm sure you know he's had many a sleepless night thinking about investments and all that kind of stuff. And and we've seen even in the past with like failed investments and stuff like that. But I mean I, I say the man has an internal struggle between the need to make money and the need so. to deliver what he likes. Yeah, and yeah, I think so. he very and I think he very quickly recognised that like you know, everything was evolving at the time and it was entertainment, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier about Jerry Springer and, you know Jay Leno and all these different shows. You know it, it wasn't as much about the content as it was about what you visually viewed on the screen. Like everyone watched Jerry Springer because they wanted to see the knockups. But you know, didn't who
0: change got, that channel, right? You, That's no. But what I mean is, yeah. but what
1: I mean is, who got who pregnant or who came out of whatever Trailer Park was kind of irrelevant. It was the kind of knockup at the end that you were you were mm. tuning in for. You wanted Big Steve to run in and grab people and separate them and stuff like that, which created this madness this melee so in turn you got your entertainment and you also got your bit of a knock up which is you know no dissimilar to wrestling I mean how many times at the end of a Raw the end of a Smackdown did Rock hit the ring or Hunter hit the ring or Stone Cold hit the ring and they always left you hanging there was always something for next week it wasn't laid out you know you, you kind of there was times even when you tuned into those episodes and like you didn't even get to see the finish at times mm.
0: of that kind it. of episode you
1: always left you hanging
0: I got a Jerry Springer episode for you here right now. Mel Phillips and Pat Patterson and Vince McMahon. Ugh. This would be a great episode. Did that black boy suck that white boy's
2: toe? Don't say it, Vince. Don't say it at all. Don't say it. But you know, you know. Oh, Vince, I got uh, it. Don't say We're taking a commercial break. Don't touch that <laughs> dial.
0: Yeah. Would you stop? <laughs> but, but, you, you,
1: but you can just you can you can just imagine the internal struggle with him, you know, about trying to balance the bank account and yeah. trying to like feed his own desire. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, he literally, when you think about it over time, literally, the family became full time roster members. members. Yeah, you know what, was what I mean. WrestleMania,
0: like, where they were all in a corner each. Was that sixteen? Or? <laughs> but like, I mean, if you, if you cool think was it was yeah, but I mean, if
1: you think about the attitude error and you go down through sort of the key points of it, you know, Vince had a hand in most of it or he was indirectly involved in certain aspects of him putting it together and all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like you think about even purchasing WCW, you know it couldn't be just one company purchasing another company you had to become a big old John screen
0: event and a massive Storyline, yeah, well, and, yeah. A,
1: and an angle that and an angle that they got wrong but they could have really got right well that
0: that leads us perfectly into rootless aggression really noel because that's kind of pretty much the start yeah. right or the beginning should i say because yeah. they don't know what way they're going to go i mean here's a question right and i'm going to lay this out on the table Uh, And you can all answer individually. I'll start with you, Noel. Right. So, WWE purchasing, well, let's say Vince McMahon purchasing his competition, right? It's a huge victory in his mind, but only for a minute, right? Um, Because he's bought his competition, and now what? Yeah? I mean, it was, was it the downfall of the creative juices long term? Um, because Vince, as we know, seems like the kind of guy that thrives on competition and likes the fight he likes it. i mean he might not like his back up against the wall for for too long, but he always seems to he always seems to come out looking well from these fights you know um, Would you agree that somewhere in that kind of you know really i suppose crazy mind of vince McMahon and I mean that in a good way um that he kind of Almost wishes somebody else bought it, but he still had the video library because, I mean, let's be fair—that was the video library was the big deal. for, yeah. for WWE. Oh, yeah. it was the tape library. Yeah, it, 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 yeah the, the tapes was was huge. Uh, Vince is all about his tapes. But do you think deep down that like he really wants that competition? Do you know what I mean? Like, I look at AEW right, and I don't mean the shit on AEW here, but I've got it because you've got basically a fan, and no disrespect, everyone's a fan. Uh, but you've got basically a fan who just knows numbers and dates. And this is how he sold the idea. And we're not going to spend too long on this. But you got a guy, Tony Khan, who knows numbers and dates. He knows the history. He's promising you that we're going to, you know, we're going to offer you this. And we're going to offer you that. And we're going to make things mean something again. And it's all been bullshit when you look at the product now. You know, you've got one of the biggest legends of all time doing ballroom dancing with another great up-and-coming kid that looks amazing. Um Short writing run by you know a fan that really doesn't know anything about the art of professional wrestling and how to run a TV show. Let's be fair. Do you honestly, Noel, think that Vince does kind of wish there was some sort of competition out there? Um,
1: I I I'm not too sure. He probably does, but I don't know whether I don't know whether he wishes it because I think from his point of view, I think he benefits from it. it
0: then. Would be a better way of saying it.
1: Product wise, yes. Financially, probably no, because I think financially, you know, they've just created a totally different model. And I know we're kind of skipping a couple of errors, but if it, like if you compare, if you compare, it, it's hard to say because when he bought WCW, WCW was on the slide. So that mm. product really couldn't compete with them at that time. Anyway. No, but I mean, there was so it when they were was in a still really still bad still place.
0: But if though, it was always what if? you know what I mean? That's, that's what I mean.
1: Yeah, but I th- the the problem with the what if is that like you need a certain talent pool to go in there to trigger reaction to make stuff happen, and I think what happened with that talent pool there, they very quickly realised that Team Ted Turner was not the place to be. And I think it would have been very hard for WCW to, you know, recover that situation and bring them back. Now, I think if you look at it in terms of WCW when it was at its peak and WWE when it's at its peak, if they could both be at their peak, then I think, yeah, I think he'd want that competition. But then, you know, he's a money man as well. Does he want to share the wealth? And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's, it's
0: uh,
3: I, I have an issue with the, with, with the whole situation there well, it was like I was saying to Ian earlier on. We tend to glaze over the cold hard facts when we look back with rose-tinted glasses with a dose of nostalgia. The simple fact is the the, the height at the apex of WCW when it was going strong and beating WWE, uh it was like a house fire. It was, people stopped to watch because it, it, it's Andy and chaos isn't soon. They made, they did put out some great matches. They made some great wrestlers. But ultimately, WWE F or E, whatever, just WW did better over at the time with regards to intellectual property and fucking new talent coming into that company as opposed to the other way around. I mean, they were swapping old cards, old tricks, and old old rope for brand new cheap talent at the time. And Vince McMahon, as a speculative businessman, must have known, had his informants and had his ear to the ground in relations to the chaos that was going on behind the curtain over there. I mean, without without a leader, an army is headless. It's like a headless chicken. And WCW never really had any structured momentum into the future. It was, it was almost like it was rolling week to week in a, a, an amazing run of luck. But that run of luck, again... Uh, they say the, you know, the brightest star, Burns, brightest star, briefest star, whatever the, that, that, that saying is. Yeah. It's certainly the case with WCW because up until maybe 95, 96, there was only one household global television wrestling program, and it wasn't WCW. Now, the hardcore fans and the people who knew and the people who loved the sport definitely knew it existed, but they were a very, very small fraction of the overall casual viewership, which WWF has always been the master of, it's no good pulling your supermarks and your poindexters and the people who want to tell you how Ric Flair won against bleeding Grizzly Patterson in fucking <laughs> 1976, you know what I mean? In, 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 it, 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 you didn't need to do that with WWF because the product was brought to you. We knew who Stone Cold was. Why? because he's standing up beside Mike Tyson with WCW at times. It's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. How many times does Brutus Beefcake need a new gimmick? Like, I mean, what, what is this I'm watching? It, it's interesting. It can't last forever. But I'll watch it until it's done because it's got a limited shelf life simply because there's no structured leadership there with a vision to the future. Yeah, well, Vince, you know? Vince, but Vincent also...
0: ninety eight is looking. Vincent ninety eight is looking and going right. I'm I'm a bit fearful because. Obviously, you see Rodman come in. Rodman at that time was a huge deal for WCW. That was kind of their answer to 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 Tyson. But it was a big deal for in America,
3: time. yeah. But it's a world company, not the world. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. I agree, but don't forget WWE wasn't the global conglomerate that it was at that at that. It time, was fairly
3: global though. Everyone and knew yeah. Tyson in, 1980, in 1988. We knew who Hulk Hogan was, no, but listen, and that's in Dublin. To, listen to
0: what I'm saying, though. First, what I mean is in merch. And this is obviously where WWE – I'm actually going to pay homage here to Vince McMahon on this one. He obviously saw that, um, you know, they had Rodman. They were big. I mean, they were they were going on the Jay Leno show. I mean, that, that's, that was the top-rated show in America at the time. They were bringing, you know, the likes of Jay Leno in to have matches, which was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, when you've got <laughs> Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko as your show opener and then your main event is Hogan and, you know – Rodman against Jay Leno and Dime Dallas Page or whatever the hell it was. Carl, Carl Malone and Rodman against DDP and uh, yeah, and yeah. You you can see it's discombobulating my brain even thinking about that. But uh, they were, I
3: mean, they were hemorrhaging a lot of young talent who was going to be the future of the company. At but the same that's what I'm saying. Well.
0: With that's where I'm giving Vince the credit here because he saw the vision. Right. Obviously, 1998 is when you really, really got the merchandise into Europe. And Europe is the second largest market, obviously, for him, okay? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Asia at the time hadn't really been a market that a- America had expanded into. I mean, football hadn't expanded into Asia or anything like that. All the big sports hadn't properly done that. All the shit was made in Asia. <laughs> it wasn't sold. Well, I think, so. I, so, I, I think. But like no, I got me Hasbro's
3: yeah. in 98 or 88, you know what I mean? But it, me, yeah, it, it, but
0: let me finish this point, though. But what I'm saying is in 1998, Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts were at a premium everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everywhere yeah. you would go into you would go into every supermarket in tesco or quinsborough whatever it was called at the time what was it, quinsport, quinsport. <laughs> yeah you go into all these shopping centers and there would be a section in the school section where you could buy stone cold steve austin school bags wwf attitude uh, lunch boxes it hadn't been marketed that big even in the hogan era over here is what i'm saying you you couldn't it was, buy all of that
3: in relation to other companies it was like i mean we, we i was collecting hasbros at 11 and 12 like hasbro's, i mean and we're, the, but hasbros yeah.
0: but you couldn't go into super queen in, or, or in 19 Queen's in 1988
3: 89 90 there was none of those other products in in relation to any real tv show like that oh, no, it was you no, bits that's and what, pieces like
0: but this is what i'm saying it, this this is the point you know i don't know whether you're agreeing here or not but the point i'm making here is that in 98 is when it, you really see the surge of merchandise Outside of the Hasbro figures, yeah, in all of the top line supermarkets here, I think it's only and it was only yeah. from WWF. That's what I'm saying yeah. to you. Vince saw what WWE were doing and they weren't merchandising anything. Eric Bischoff has said it himself. They only sold a couple of t-shirts at live events. They didn't even sell Hogan, um, yeah, Hogan t-shirts. So that's the point I'm making. I'm in agreement, which is here, lads. I'm saying oh yeah, Vince yeah, 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 yeah. Saw that vision and '98 is when. Obviously, you could buy yeah. Hulk Hogan merchandise yeah. in Dublin. I'm not saying you couldn't. I mean, I had no. It we could, but the... again,
3: he's always had that. Th- again, this is another year. You're, you're bringing up a very interesting aspect. He's always had his hand on the on, on the whatever there was to be marketed. Like we're we're sitting on a tiny little rock off the Atlantic. We were yes. a two-channel country up until 1988, and you could still get his shit. Well,
1: you know, yeah, you, you, you could, could get, get it here. Shit all yeah, the time, but no you
0: Yeah, have... Hogan and Warrior. That was it.
1: But you have to remember, in terms of merchandise and franchising and all that, you have to remember that Ireland, 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 and the UK were the gateway of Europe. You know what I mean? So it was the obvious choice. But you also gotta, you gotta, you also got go Airport, on one point. right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, somewhere to refill, huh? But at least you gotta, you gotta remember as well if you look. I mean, WCW, um didn't use the entertainment part of it. Like when they brought in the likes of Rodman or David Arquette or people like that, they wouldn't Don't they mention didn't David use Arquette them.
0: and Rodman in the same sentence. But, <laughs> but, but
1: they, they didn't use them in the, in, in mm-hmm. the way that like, if they had to come into WWF, the way like he used Tyson and, you know, even in the early days, the way he exactly. used like, Ali, and, you know what I mean? The entertainment boy, people were boy, used say wrong. It, Noel. I
0: know you want to say it. The little bell boy, say it, say it. Liberace yeah. is
1: here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know what I mean if Liberace had went into WCW <laughs> they would have put a lot of hockey gear on him and made him champion <laughs> yes <That's> good, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean like that's that's this is what would have happened, you know, and it probably would have been in like a, a towering thunderdown match or something where he couldn't even get to the top cage to get to the yeah. belt.
0: You know what I mean? This is the stupidity. Yeah, it was stuff. a headless chicken. It he was saw a hole above him, he'd have got there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the red Rouser without the Mohawk. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I agree with that. And and uh, that's Absolutely. what I'm saying. We're in agreement here. So essentially mm-hmm. what Vince, like when when we get to that rootless aggression era, like I mean, talk about making stars. Like, when you look at it... I mean, I'll give you this one. Going back to Vince's vision on wrestling or not, and whether he likes wrestlers or he only likes big men. I'm going to mention three lads here that the world title was put on in that era. Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Jericho. Hell, even... I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know... And WCW, lads. They are... Kurt Angle, I know Kurt Angle was built a six foot two, but let's be fair, Kurt Angle was no taller than Chris Benoit. Uh, you know, even even in his prime, these were wrestlers. Like I mean, there's not many. There's not an era where you have better wrestlers than that. All under mm. the one brand, nope. like yeah. ever. So the rootless aggression, aggression era. I mean, if people want to talk about Vince not liking pro wrestling and wanting to move to entertainment, yeah, sure, he had entertainment in there. But, talk I mean, these are – he Vince is a wrestling purist when you really, really peel away the layers. Like, these were guys – and, I mean, everybody has seen that. You know, obviously, it was the anniversary of Eddie Guerrero a while back, and everybody saw that kind of really special video where Eddie goes back and he has the title, and Vince is there to greet him. I know, Noel, that was a big one for you because I know you're a major – Eddie fan
1: Yeah Yeah absolutely But also I mean you think about At the time I mean Even if You look At some of the Hound ground Talent that he brought in And stuff like that And you look at OVW you know what I mean? And you look at what even came out there. You had like, Cena came out of there, Lorton came out of there, Lesnar, Batista. So he'd all that, he'd all that talent that came true as well during that ruthless aggression era as well, which was, which was amazing that he hit the jackpot. Shelton, Benjamin, all those guys, they were all in that class. That, that was thanks class, to Jim
0: like Cornette.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. No, they were, Men who they were, knew the rules. You know what I mean? But it, like, you gotta, yeah, but I mean, when you, when you, when you think about the talent that came out of that, I mean, <laughs> you only have to mention John Cena. I mean, you know, in terms of the rootless aggression error and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And then, like, the blend of that with the guys that have come in from WCW as well, like, you would such good workers like Benoit, like Eddie Guerrero, like Dima Linko, like all those guys. And then, of course, you had Kurt Angle there and Austin still and guys like that and all. It was it was a fabulous time for those guys to come in and yeah. lay down a marker. But it was also the time as well where Vince changed his contracts as well. I remember the contracts came in where you were kind of, like, you had a fairly low downside and then he started tying it into performance in terms of pay-per-view, house tours, merchandise, you know what I mean? So the, the onus was really pushed back on the superstar at the time to really get himself over and become a superstar in order to really reap the rewards of his of his hard work, you know? Whereas, you know, as you said in the past, you know, lads were being paid eight, nine million and stuff like that. Like it was a much, it, like those guys really went out there. Like whatever people think about John Cena during the Ruthless Aggression era, he worked his socks off to get to where he got to.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Listen, he learned the hammerlock over the course of ten years and I appreciate John for that. You know, <laughs> he eventually got everyone seen that video of Vince <laughs> of John Cena, hammerlock. John puts a wrist lock on. It's like no hammerlock, John. <laughs> but he was, got there. He got it there. was it was only about
1: selling the Reebok pumps. Don't get confused. And the uh, Eco, <laughs> what
0: was the name of those? Echo jeans or whatever they were called?
1: Yeah, he was sponsored by Echo United, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I
0: remember yeah. them, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you saw the belt yeah. on it all the time. But, yeah. like, there we go. That's a perfect transition, right? We go from Austin to Rock. I mean, let's just look at the stars he makes. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Like, Rock, Hogan, Austin, and John Cena. I mean, in terms of brand... I think the next level to that, the, well, the closest thing you would have that to that to this day would probably be Roman Reigns, and he's obviously a heel now and doing a stellar job as a heel. Yeah, doing a very good job. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah, Absolutely. he is. But, I mean, these guys are on a different stratosphere. Again, all made by Vince. You know?
3: Yeah. A complete mid-card of champions. Yeah. You know? And that's unheard of. Even, even in... My much beloved Golden Era. The, 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 he had two or three top top tier guys who would pass around, but the the the, the rootless aggression era. His whole mid card were capable of, and and went on to be the guy. Like I mean, and and the versatility and depth in his yeah. different class of wrestlers. Like even even with the the, the Guerreros and the the, the fair enough. But he also had Laredo Mysterio doing a bit of lucha. He caught Angle, who was a decorated Olympic champion. You had. The Undertaker, who was the last vestige of the Golden Era and a complete character. You know, men who didn't need to carry the belt. You had monsters like Kane and stuff like that. You had John Cena, who just appeals to every young kid in the same way that Hogan did. He had absolutely every base covered. There was no two or three guys are injured. What are we going to do? Shit, we're going to be crap for the next six months. There was just so much talent there. And again, the depth of his style of wrestling as well. the, 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 The tag divisions was healthy. The, he had the, you know, his modified version of kind of hardcore stuff like the, the table ladder chair match, which was a stalwart at the manias for a while. He just had so fucking much during the ruthless aggression era. The talent like, was abundant.
0: Uh, he kind of reminds me of, uh, he reminds me of Stan Lee in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, you know, in the sense that, like, he's always able to create these characters and narratives for these characters. I mean, Stan Lee is a legend, of course, and like we, you know. You go back, I was watching a great documentary and I know this has nothing to do with it, but I was watching a great documentary on like, you know, the silver age of, of comic book heroes and like they had to literally make different issues constantly and make new heroes constantly. That's exactly what Vince was doing. Yeah? You know? mm-hmm. And it, and they yeah. weren't just they weren't just like random Santino Morellas here that we're talking about, who was very funny by the way. Brilliant, brilliant It was even funnier yeah. listening to uh, Jim Cornette talk about him so anybody mm. can please go back and check it out but like these were legitimate people that he was making i mean like you had an era right there's there's a couple of guys that we failed to mention in and you know in the dance with John Cena here at this time so you had stone cold steve austin and the rock and a lot of people like to say that that's your ronaldo and messi both coming at the same time fair i'll 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 take that because look at what The Rock is now. I mean, The Rock is the biggest star in the world. Yeah. Um, and a lot Future of that president. Well, a lot of that was self-driven too, let's be fair. But look, The Rock, who does The Rock have now as his personal assistant? One of the guys that was working for WWE, you know, that Vince was hiring at that time. Yeah. Um, then you looked at Cena. Who did Cena have the battle with during that Ruthless Aggression era? God damn Where, it. They had he, Randy even, Orton yeah, in his but prime. Yeah. For the Angle. Batista, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. and Bradshaw, even JBL. Justin, yeah. JBL, JBL, I mean, listen, JBL doesn't get a fair shake for what he. JBL is no. one of the greatest heels of all time. He's brilliant. anyone says, hands yeah. down. Um, you know all these these guys that they had to work with. I mean, I know Noyle because uh, uh, I think we were talking. Just, I think that's when we met shortly after the uh, the Radicals. When that Radicals came in, that really opened up a whole new chapter. I believe that that was the start of something new. Would you agree with that?
3: Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think the fact that they had failed yeah. the WCW was a driving force behind their success in that company. Yeah. I think they were wrestling against their previous employer and not wrestling for their current employer. It was like, like he wasted us. won
0: the belt, didn't he? He won the belt like, literally a couple of weeks before he moved. They gave it to him uh, yeah. over said vicious at a um, at Starcade. And it still wasn't enough. He was like I don't care. You keep your belt. I'm I'm out of here, you know? Yeah. I think it's uh, too little
1: too late. Yeah. Well, they were they were so they were so clever about the that. They booked stuff as well because if you think about yeah. it at that time as well you had a a lot of faction stuff going on. So like, you know, you had, you know, you had the spawning of evolution, you had the radicals. So none of these guys were ever really exposed because they were always supported by people there to, you know, if things did go a little astray, you know, they knew by putting John Cena out there with Kurt Angle, that he was going to be protected. He was in there with one of the greatest workers ever. And like, he wasn't going to be exposed. Angle was going to work his ass off for him to make sure he was a success. Same with evolution. You had like who, who would have ever thought of putting Ric Flair, Triple H, Randy Orton and Batista together. Mm. You know what I mean? And yes, you you know, they brought him in there. They had the experience of flair, you know, you know, the the arrogance and and the heat that like Hunter would draw. Then you had Art in there, obviously second or third generation, whatever it was at the time. And then you had Batista, who was just this monster that just needed to be molded. I mean, all these guys went on to be multiple time champions, you know, multiple belts, constantly winning all the time, always in around main event status, and all that kind of thing, you know what I mean? So like, but he really did a good job in that initial booking in the ruthless aggression area. He never exposed anyone. Like, he never seen, like even, like you think even with the radicals, like you're Perry Saturn in there and all, you know? Yeah. And, And it was only kind of, it's only kind of when Obviously Malinko kind of drifted off pretty quick and he became that agent and stuff like that and all, which was a shame because he was such a brilliant wrestler. Well,
0: he was a little but, bit older, I think. Yeah, he just wanted to get yeah, absolutely a couple of matches, yeah. But
1: again, then you had you had Eddie who you knew. Like you knew when you seen Eddie he was just gonna transcend it and go to the moon. And oh, the same with yeah. and the same with Benoit as well. And obviously Perry Saddam was in there as well, but initially didn't see him out of place. But it was only when the boys jumped up that level that it was realised very quickly, well Perry isn't gonna make the there. You know what I mean, and like that's when it kind of came apart on the radicals. And Eddie shot to the moon, Ben was shot to the moon, Dean moved off into a backstage or an agency type of thing. And then Perry Saddam was kind of it's only when you you're see still got a mob exposed on the zone, yeah, that's it, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But again, but again, again, he never ever exposed those guys, you know. You think even when Booker T came in, mm. Booker T was heavily protected when he came in, first of all, you know what I mean, yeah. because to be honest with you, even coming in there with the clout you had from WCW, you still had to convince the new gaffer what you were about regardless of what you carried. Mm-hmm. You know, so
0: I'd, I'd agree I mean, with I think that. Yeah. i agree with
1: that 100%. Just
2: before we move, we move, we move, before we move on from, I know we're on to the rootless aggression here now, but uh, two of my favourite moments from the attitude here was when, do you remember when Stone called and The Rock were doing the sing-off in the middle of the ring? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. Stuff like that is always, it always gives me good feelings. You know what I mean? And then yeah. um yeah. when I think, it, I think this was the Ruthless expression when Stone Cold and Booker T were in the supermarket. Do you remember that one?
1: Yeah, oh, the, uh, the yeah the street fight. Yeah, street fight that ended up in the supermarket. Yeah, oh, it was, it was classic. And he he breaking water, breaking them up with water and melons yeah. and everything. But also you gotta oh, you gotta yeah. think back as well to the beer, the bear bash beer and the milk almond. Yeah you know what I mean <laughs> and, e- and even me- remember remember when the two boys were vying for Vince's love and they were
0: singing
1: <laughs> no like there was so much good stuff and i going around with the the elbow we had
0: we got we got none of that, Noel. I'm afraid your internet out in, uh, <laughs> out in County Wicklow. Right? Who was going to be <laughs>
1: sheriff and all
0: of <coughs> you're going to have to you're going to have to say that again, Noel. The audience got <laughs> none of that because uh, your whole internet just went. My internet down. No, you're back good?
2: now. Well, anyway, you were talking about all uh, the cool things that yeah, Angle and Stone Cold were doing. Yeah, you know, I was thinking
1: like, like Angle and Stone Cold vying yeah. for Vince's love. And, they were brilliant. You know, and it awesome. was just, yeah, it was just amazing. It was an
3: excellent I mean? humour about the company as well. It was yeah. almost a positive place yeah. to work and everybody was happy to take the piss out of themselves on screen. Yeah. And it translated very well. There was a lot of charisma on show. Yeah. Definitely But you was. know what, one thing I want... Court
2: Jesus. Ah, uh, one thing I did want to say about McMahon was that he was not afraid... To take a bump, he was not afraid to get straight into it. Yeah, you know, a, he, he did what he what he asked the guys to do. No problem, to him. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah,
1: true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Again, the, uh, didn't, the
2: even, apple didn't fall far from the tree with the sun either. No,
0: well,
2: <laughs> yeah. sure. Look, even if even up to WrestleMania last year, when he was showing your man, what's your man's name? Cronk, is it? How to take up? to take a bump off the off the, the height? And he yeah. does it himself, and he's in his seventies, like so. Yeah. He's still able to. He's still. If I can do it, you can do it. You know what I mean? I think that's brilliant.
0: I think that's yeah. a great way to kind of start wrapping the show up. Actually, talking about some kind of f- funisms when it comes yeah. to Vince McMahon, like looking at um, you know, the old uh, the old video of of, of uh, Vince doing the intro that Sean did in '96 for the Ironman match when he done the whole <laughs> when he done the entrance to the ring. Yeah. You ever see that video, Jay?
3: No, I don't believe so.
0: It's really, do you remember the entrance Sean made from the top of the arena down to the ring on the? I do. The yes, net? yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I Vince do. done it. Vince was the. first I did. I seen that. It. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know the harness. Yeah. You know Vince. Vince pissing his pants on live television <laughs> with the gun. <laughs> you know, I, I believe yeah. William Regal made the mark, remark like you as an employee, if your boss is willing to make himself look like a absolute yeah. idiot on, on television and piss his own pants, what gives you the right to say no mm. to anything? No one had an excuse. Exactly. Because yeah. he was well, well able to do what he had to do. I mean, Noel, i do you I'm prob- about the I'm kiss probably... my ass club? Huh? Like, I mean, the I... kiss my ass club. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> think that that's direct shots at people it's just... and it's Vince's ego. I don't think it's an ego. I think that's a genius way of just, to be honest with you, I did, though, like if I was a worker
2: he would have kissed his ass. And
0: he said, Dynamo, I got something great for you this week. You're going to join an elite club.
1: <laughs> Very do you, elite. Do,
0: do, do oh, you I
1: remember it, him right? do, do, do you, do you remember him getting Regal to pucker up? And he yeah. was the lip balm and all <laughs> and <laughs> of that. It? it was
0: just... a nice ass. It's a nice ass. It was, ass. Gold.
1: It's nice it was ass. just golden TV. And then, yeah. and then, you know, and then we move on from there to the end. Like, like, he sold the best stunners, you know. Yeah, he did. Up, well, yeah.
0: They were the best stunners because, like, it like actually, The Rock made the most ridiculous stunners, right? Let's be fair. <laughs> yeah. Because it was just overselling. It was like Michaels versus, uh, versus Hogan.
3: <laughs> it's a shame I never got to see Michaels taking a stunner. I think we would have seen shades of that Hogan match again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know,
3: we'd have seen him. Hogan. We'd have seen him flip-flop and miss that perfect wheel over the top rope <laughs> and everything. Like, but it, it like, but look,
0: <laughs> look what Vince does for for his for his guys as well. I mean, Hogan and Vince. You know, Vince put Hogan over, mm-hmm. sold for him. I mean, that's the right, gay people.
2: guy at the right time.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but I even mean, even even, what about
1: that? Even even Scott when you look at it, like, yeah. The, but, but even even the one in the in the family where you've got like you've got the best stunner, and with Linda you've got the worst stunner. <laughs> like it was just it was They're insane. A of like, remember the time he came. In, remember he came out to the ring and he just stunnered the whole lot of them. It's just oh. it's unbelievable. And then you see that picture in floating fair, the picture floating around with them now with the whole extended family standing in the White Trump. House with Trump. And the comment underneath, there's only four people or five people in this picture that I've never stunnered, you know what I mean? And I think it's Shane, those kids, and, and uh, Stephanie. You know, those kids. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, you should up. have finished that sentence with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That,
3: that was no, thing. I think they'll bring it back again. We've, we've been focused very much so on the air. on on the products that he produced. But again, being the man that he is, I think it it, it deserves to be said that who we've seen, who he is over the last, what, 30, 35 years, 40 years on TV. We're never, ever, ever going to get close to knowing who he actually is. He's always had this amazing ability to compartmentalize businessman from the human. I mean, we've even seen over the years, the emotions out of the man at times. I know, you can be cynical and say, "Yeah, look, he's selling great television." But even even from a personal perspective, when every time you think you've got a grasp on the man, you see the ultimate warrior handing on the little engine that could book, and you see genuine emotion in him. You're like, "Okay, that's a swerve." I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's very good at selling who he thinks you need to see at a time you need to see it, and then he'll just whip the rug out from under you and be someone else. And it's, it's only then you realize we don't even have a facet or an iota of a grasp on who he is personally, psychologically, business mind-wise. Yeah. I mean, he's done something outrageously unbelievable over the last 40 years. And 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 regardless of I know there's little things that bother me sometimes when I read the, the modern era fan and the new fans, they're almost reading off his script about him like they're saying things about him. And you're like, pal, he's fed you the hate that you're giving and serving up to him. You don't know him. You his struggles to keep a company that large and that global perpetuated over 40 years is f- effing ridiculous with the amount of hardships as a company that that place has had it takes a very unique mental structure to continue to run it i mean you think of all the deaths and the passings and the tragedies over the years we've all had jobs we've all had colleagues pass none would the like the amount of Vince has had there's no man has ever sat there at his large desk writing and signing checks for people's wages and also had to sign that many sign off on that many ridiculous ridiculous tragedies like i mean things happen in pro wrestling that don't happen in any other industry and he's just sitting there unfazed by it all when we know he physically and humanely can't be i mean he's gone off somewhere into a room to shed a tear or to feel good or you know he's he's compartmentalized himself as a human
0: that's a good point we got that uh we got that side of vince when we looked at the ultimate warrior documentary on the network to be fair when he's reading the the little train that could. The little engine that could, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was that was a tough one for me to watch, to be fair. Even tough for me to speak about now, as you can probably see. Guys, you can see it on screen. They can't. That was actually, it's true, though, because all these kind of the modern wrestling fan, as they say, um, oh, when will Vince just retire or give it over to someone else? Guys, appreciate what you have while it's here because you wouldn't have wrestling if it wasn't for Vince. So, you think you're a little smart, Mark, because you like your indie shows and Kenny Omega's really cool because he can run around for an hour and look like do jazz hands? That's great. Mm. That's great. Is, you wouldn't know who Kenny Omega is if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, and that yes, is a fact. No offense to Kenny Omega. All offense to Kenny Omega. No, yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but there's another, there's another aspect that uh, every year, annually, we're seeing right now, just from a. from a a global business perspective. There's something that always bothers me whenever it happens. Really, as 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 a as a, bu- as a business, the manager running his business and he knows what he has to do to stay in business. It's not an easy world to stay in business, especially when you've got three companies with maybe three products on the road or on tour at any given time, and you're still jiggling cards around to give the best television you can weekly. Weekly, he he he. Every time we see the 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 the, the, the firings, they've happened regularly over the last ten years. We large blocks of obviously people who've other people have become fans of, getting laid off. There's also other outcomes of that as well. This man is single-handedly germinated the quality of wrestling to a degree over the last 15 years by his layoffs that you wouldn't have on the indie scenes or the smaller companies. When you get men going to different companies because they were let go with a big company because there was no place for them, these men are bringing a wealth of knowledge and intelligence into a locker room that didn't have access to that quality and level of professionalism before. I mean, essentially, it's germination. It's the germination and pollination of a, of an industry globally. And I mean, WCW didn't fold up and germinate the world with a high quality and level of wrestling. ECW didn't. You know, there was a lot of companies around. The, the the Asian wrestlers were rare and lucky when we do get them that they're of a high quality. But it's not a common standard. Even even the UK has blossomed simply because of what the the, the wrestling quality in the, in the UK over the last three, four, five years. It's ridiculous, and it's simply because of one man. Mm-hmm. I mean, with these layoffs, what he's doing yeah. is yeah. almost seeding the future of a quality of wrestling that we've become accustomed to, which wasn't there without him. And, you know.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I know exactly where you come from. It's like it's like when you look at AEW at the moment. AEW is bearing the fruits of the foundation that Vince, my man, puts concrete into. And that's really the way Absolutely, you look at it. Because yeah. you look at who those guys are hiring. They're, bring, they're bringing in Jake and Arne and Tully and DDP maybe and all these kind of guys. You know, there's a reason why they're bringing those guys yeah. in. You know what I mean? And it's not because of WC. It's not because they what learned, they know. yeah. You know, they're bringing those guys in because they know those guys, you know, they have, they have like, you know, a lifetime of wealth there, of, of knowledge from being around Vince the Arena with 95 or 100,000 people and deliver a big show. That's why they're there. Yeah. Well, it's like knowledge, even, is power, knowledge, knowledge
3: is power. Knowledge is wealth.
0: Stars, Cody, yeah. Cody and Goldust, like, using his yeah. stars, like Jericho, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, let's you be can. fair, Vince made all these guys. Yeah. You can tell.
1: And,
2: and, and, you can and,
1: and let's be honest, when you, when, you look, when you look at the AEW shows, it it's it's those guys that stand out, you know what I mean? It's the Brody Lees, it's the Zach Riders, it's the Safe Cody Rhodes, work. it's the Dustin Rhodes, it's yandel for an obvious reason, you know what I mean? Not everyone wants to see a hundred super King parties. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the reality of it, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, you were gonna say something
2: and
1: over his tenure.
2: I was just—I was basically uh, agreeing with what uh, Noel was saying. Um, you can tell the difference between a WWE performer in AEW, and an independent wrestler in AEW. A uh, WWE wrestlers—they know what they're doing. They know—they know their limits. They know what they're expected of them. They're just given a bit more freedom, whereas uh, independent wrestlers—they do what they want. Like you know what I mean. And so you can see John it differently
0: except for John Moxley.
2: <laughs> oh God, don't get
0: me started on that fucking agent.
2: Oh no, it's it's
3: it's a hundred percent true though. Like I said, I mean we give out about Vince in, in the in the mid eighties buying up all the territories and ruining wrestling. And you look now at the amount of companies and stars he's made and released, he's re germinated and repopulated the territories mm-hmm. and the companies. I Absolutely. mean, we're in a healthy situation global wise wrestling or wrestling wise globally. You've got your TNA's, the the AEWs. You got your Ring of Honor. I mean, there's a lot of good companies out there if you want pure product. And this isn't an accident. It's mm. there yeah. for a reason, like yeah, you know.
1: And 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 there's a reason I why think a lot Vince of McMahon. Fans, yeah. There's a reason why Vince McMahon knocked on that Ring of Honor door so much. You know. Yeah, well, yeah it's been good to him over the years.
0: <laughs> CM, Punk. I mean, CM, CM Punk. Absolutely. CM Punk was expected to be nobody. I mean, Triple H and Shawn Michaels laughed at him. You know, they were they were still part of that. Uh, you know, Shawn Michaels, <laughs> he was rehabilitated at the time, I know. But uh, mm-hmm. he found Jesus at the time. But he still, Jesus allowed him to slag CM Punk, though. <laughs> Jesus is who you find when you can't find your drugs. Yeah. Hell Yeah. <laughs> But you yeah. even, but but even
1: look at who they brought in—the likes of Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, you know, uh, Kevin Owens, Zami yeah. Zayn, you know, AJ. Even AJ you could Stiles. argue AJ, AJ Styles, even though he was TNA as well, but he was an ROH original. You know what
0: I mean? But, but I mean, everyone look at that. Said, but again, sometimes. But yeah. he always said AJ Styles wouldn't be given a run. Noyle, I know what you're saying there, and I think that's that's probably the context of that is that. Vince is willing to give those guys the likes of the AJ Styles is case in point. Probably him and CM Punk are the two big, biggest success stories, along with uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, three biggest success stories, should I say? Sorry, um, Daniel Bryan, especially considering that year that he had. You know what I mean? Like that WrestleMania. But yeah,
3: um,
0: AJ came in and people were going, "How's AJ Styles going to work in WWE?" Well, a treat would <laughs> better be the than yeah, better than anybody. Yeah, better than Fitting yeah. like a glove. The greatest. But again, the this, greatest uh, there's another
3: aspect of him as well. Like yeah. from a psychological perspective, he's known how to, he's, I know he killed kayfabe and essentially with Brett's group, Brett, and we all say, yeah, that's the death of the, the work, the final work. But I mean, he was cer- cerebral enough to understand that the product that he creates is basically the pivot point between us as fans, and him as a company owner. He's created a company and uses the fans. Now, the work is not, no longer in the ring with the fucking bullshit 80s kayfabe style of thing. It's 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 taking performers who we as an audience want to see and we believe he will never give a runner a chance. He puts them in the ring, throws them up against a wall of WW-style opposition and, and, and nurtures this... Fervent belief in these guys who we consider indie guys. Like the the, the, the perfect example is uh, Daniel Bryan and the S yes movements. So it's like, it's no accident that Seamus is kicking the mouth off Matt WrestleMania in 17 seconds. He's working us. We're the work now. K is still alive and well. It's just that we can't see the fact that he's moved the goalposts so many times. It's the reason we're still tuning in. Sometimes it's not Great to watch the wrestling, it's to see who's going to fuck up with next time. You know, it's the Great pipe point. bomb you telling me that he was cutting a fucking shoot on the steps against the whole company when the production van can turn him off in three seconds flat. Bollocks. It, we're the work now. We get so worked up about things. We don't realize that uh, the man sitting in his office going, who can I hire to screw with them next? Ha 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 You know? Are you it, It's brilliant.
0: It's so funny because, like, you can go on Facebook or any social media platform any day of the week, and you'll get the smart fan. And listen, no disrespect of you to any of you, no. I know you've listened to this show, and we appreciate that. That's that's why we. love it as much like as this. us, yeah, um, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. I mean, Jesus H. Christ, I like to think that I'm pretty clued in, having not been, you know, around wrestling and and you know. Been in it and whatnot, but hell, I get worked all the time, and you know what? I embrace it and I love it, and, and that's yeah, the way we watch. <laughs> that's what we want yeah. to be duped. Uh, um, Noel you you've been you you know you're you're the longest serving wrestling fan out of all of us, and you've watched it evolve over this uh, you know over over generation since you were a, a wee boy, and um, like I suppose in closing, what way do you look at it with Vince? Because you obviously you often talk about you know, how you started off looking at the likes of Harley Race and and Ric Flair's and stuff, and obviously subscribing to to the old magazines and stuff like that and getting the VHS tapes. What way have you watched it evolve, not not withstanding the actual in-ring product, but the actual product overall, I suppose?
1: I think from an overall view on it, I think he's been so clued in at every point. And at every point where things have changed, our society has changed, our business has changed, he's kind of embraced it and found a way to make it fit with his product. Um, you know, I can't remember too Mary, you know, when you think about it, like how many times has he got it wrong as in royally wrong? You know what I mean? Mm. I think nine times out of 10, he gets it right. But I often, when people say to me, like, in terms of Vince McMahon, what do I think? I think he's the man who is totally in control of probably one of the greatest split personalities the world has ever seen. And that's how I describe yeah. him. I think, and that's, that's heading on moving on from Jay's point earlier. He's the man who probably has four personalities in that school and he is in total yeah. control of each and every one of them at any point and can switch one on at a moment's notice and the other three off. And um, he has, he's had, an out, he's had an outstanding mind for both the business an outstanding mind for both the product. Um, and and he will leave a legacy that will live on for my kids and their kids and their kids um, who will also go back and look at the Attitude error. who will also go back and look at the Rootless Aggression error and PG and the Golden Era. Um, and I think if you're a wrestling fan, you tend to have to, you know dissect it down and enjoy it for what it is,
3: yeah,
1: all the errors for what they are, and accept the fact that like you know we're in different times in the world, uh both socially politically business wise everything and and things have to change, and things have to adjust doesn't necessarily means it's bad, just means it's different, and that's how I describe them
0: I think that is the most perfect way to wrap up this show to be honest which I couldn't add anything to that that's better than what Noel just said so I guess that about does it for this week's episode of the four pod men the only show that can give you Joe Biden when you want Donald Trump or when you want Donald Trump <laughs> and you get Joe Biden so until next <laughs> time guys for me Ian De Dynamo Kelly for Carol King Wo, for oh, yeah. DJ was- Kennedy for the shopkeeper guys it's been a pleasure nope. once again. So next week, guys, don't forget, we are just uh, just a, a little bit of information before we do. That's still We're, recording, uh, isn't it? Yeah. We, we, yes, Carl. We are still <laughs> recording. Uh,
2: for, we are live. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus. Are we live?